Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. Hello, self-lover. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure you know about my two books on self-love. If you're struggling with body image or self-acceptance, then I highly recommend you check out my first book, The Gift of Self-Love. It's a comprehensive workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to love who you are. Thousands of people have this book and the five-star reviews are so amazing. They give me so much life. So I hope that this is something that can help you too. You can get it wherever books are sold by searching for The Gift of Self-Love or go to my website, maryscupoftea.com slash book. After releasing The Gift of Self-Love and reading all your positive feedback, I realized that we really needed something to keep us going every single day. So not a deep dive workbook, but maybe like a micro dose of self-love in your daily life, which is why I wrote 100 Days of Self-Love. It's a guided journal with, you guessed it, 100 prompts that cover so many areas of life, including body, identity, purpose, emotions, mindset, relationships, and more. So you can really think of it as a metaphor multivitamin, something to keep you going, or as I like to say, growing on your self-love journey. You can get this journal wherever books are sold as well by searching for 100 Days of Self-Love or go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal. It's my mission to share all the self-love tea with you, so I hope that both my books and this podcast can do just that. I'm feeling lost in life right now. And you probably clicked on this episode because you're probably feeling lost in life right now too. But the thing about feeling lost is that you always feel like you're the only one that doesn't have it figured out and everybody else knows something that you don't. So it can feel all the more isolating. It can be really disgruntling. Is that a word? Disgruntling? You know, when you're like disgruntled? Yeah, it should be a word. It's always something that never fails to like shake me up and challenge my self-confidence because when you're feeling lost, the next thought is, oh my God, I'm not capable of doing anything. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And it's making me really insecure. And these limiting beliefs and these stories that we tell ourselves about what life should look like and then what I'm not doing to make my life look that one certain magical way. And all in all, it's just a shitty experience. So in today's episode, I wanted to talk about feeling lost. And I was going to bring on a guest to dive into the like, how to figure out your passion and purpose and different ways to approach feeling lost and then like figuring it out, right? But I think before we dive into how to find your purpose and tying a bow on it. We also have to acknowledge this experience, really get clear on what it is, what it feels like, where it stems from, and then hopefully find glimmers of hope amidst this darkness of uncertainty. Being lost is not just necessary, but it's also inevitable. Because if you think about it, we're all floating on this giant rock going millions of miles per hour for all we know, the entire universe is probably lost and has no idea where it's going. So I think that can be, I don't know, kind of scary, but also kind of like, eh, 
whatever, like it'll be fine. It'll be okay. If I'm not the only human being experiencing it, there's a bunch of other people, 8 billion people on this planet. And I guarantee you every single one of them has felt lost in life. If the universe itself doesn't know where it's headed or why, then why should we? When you say, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, it's very important to zoom in a little bit more and get specific. Because when we put big blanket statements on an experience like that, it can make it even more like scary just to be experiencing it. Because there's a difference between saying, I don't know what I'm doing with my life and I don't know what my next career move is. That is a very different statement that's going to create a very different experience in your mind. So if you want to stop feeling like really anxious about your life's purpose, then maybe you don't have to think about it like this grand life purpose. Maybe you can get a little bit more specific and get clear on like what it is that you're actually feeling. Where are you actually struggling? Just like with everything, the specificity in your language is going to create solutions inevitably. It's going to, first of all, put your brain at peace because you're able to like really specifically define the problem, but it's also going to like just prime you to think about like, okay, well, if I don't know what my next career move is, then the next logical step is to be thinking about what my next career move could be. Whereas if I tell myself, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, then my brain's like, fuck, I don't know either. And you're just kind of like spread so thin and your energy is everywhere and you have absolutely no focus, no direction, no idea. But I'm going to challenge that a little bit and tell you that you do have a huge idea. You do have elements of your life that I'm 100% certain are very solid for you. For me personally, I put a lot of worth into my work. So if I don't know what my next career move is, it can feel like I don't know what I'm doing with my life because my whole life has been work, or at least up until this point, I've been conditioned in our capitalistic society. Woohoo! So if for 40 hours out of the week, I don't know what I'm doing in my job, then of course, that's going to feel like I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Whereas in reality, I feel really solid in my relationship. I'm so happy in my marriage. I have an idea that I probably want children in the future. I know that I have been enjoying plants and gardening lately and sunset walks. And I know these might seem like little things, but you have to think about these little things because they make up the entirety of who you are. So don't tell yourself, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, get really specific. Maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe you're feeling confused about your current relationship, but say you love your job. Or perhaps you have an amazing group of friends, but your family situation is difficult and uncertain. And maybe there's some loss to be dealt with there. Also notice how that word lost and loss and lose, notice how they're all such very different words like kind of mean the same thing and come up in different ways. I just found that interesting when I was planning this podcast episode because you can feel lost if you're feeling like you're losing or you can feel lost if you are experiencing a loss in your life of something or someone or 
a potential life unlived, which we will get into here shortly. So I just thought that was fun. And going back to like specific areas of your life, in my first book, The Gift of Self-Love, literally the first chapter is about identifying areas of your life where you might need more self-love. And it might sound a little cheesy, but I created this like self-love pie where literally you just look at different areas of your life and you're like, okay, well, I feel pretty secure in this, but I'm a little insecure and unsteady in this. So for a lot of people, they're like, I'm insecure when in reality, you're just feeling insecure in your body. That's a very particular type of insecurity as opposed to, again, slapping on this label onto yourself and making the experience more dramatic than it needs to be. So I always invite you to get more and more specific, as specific as possible, because it's really going to help you conquer it and compartmentalize in like a very healthy way. So maybe you don't know like where you want to live, but you feel really confident in like your fashion, your style, your decor. Wish I could relate, but I'm still figuring that out. But I could even get even more specific with that and say, you know, I think I kind of like my interior design taste, but when it comes to like the way I dress, I'm a little lost. I don't really know what aesthetic I like. So these are just like little ways that you can get more specific. So you're probably not as lost as you feel. It kind of just depends on if you're putting all your eggs in one basket and where you're putting the weight of your worth into. But the second that you can separate and distinguish and get specific, you're going to have so much more clarity and clarity always brings peace. Once you get a little bit more clarity on where exactly in your life are you feeling lost, from my personal experience, feeling lost manifests in two different ways. The first way is I don't see any possibilities for myself. I can't picture myself doing anything. Nothing excites me. If you're feeling that type of lost, I'm not a mental health professional. This is not mental health advice, but I do need to highlight that if you're experiencing that kind of extreme thought, then that is a warning sign of depression. So if you are experiencing that like hopelessness and helplessness, especially, please consult your doctor or your mental health provider because not being able to see any type of future for yourself is something to be taken very seriously. So that's the first feeling lost experience. It could actually be depression. And the second way that feeling lost manifests, and this is the one that I experience sometimes, is when you're thinking, I see too many possibilities for myself and I can't pick just one and I don't know which route to take. So I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. And everything feels daunting and nothing feels like it's for me. It's just too much. That kind of lost is overwhelming you. And it's a classic example of the paradox of choice. I recently ran out of shampoo and I have not washed my hair in nine days hence the hat I'm wearing right now. You might not be able to see me, but I'm wearing a hat. Why did I not buy new shampoo? Because I usually buy the Costco brand, but I thought maybe there's something better out there. <laughs> maybe there's a 
new, great, shiny, awesome shampoo that's going to make my hair shiny and awesome. And I just haven't found said shampoo. So I started looking, I started reading reviews. I was on Amazon. I was on Costco. I was looking into like the designer brands and then I'm like, that's too expensive. And then I'm like, okay, what, where can I find the shampoo? I spent so many hours, maybe not hours, probably like a hour, like up to an hour researching shampoo. And then the next time I was at Costco, I was like, okay, I just need to grab the shampoo that I've been using. Like, don't fix what's not broken, Mary. Just like get the shampoo. I get to Costco. There are even more shampoo options than the ones that I was researching. They got a new product that they got a new deal on. It was like some like Korean fancy ginseng shampoo. And I was like, okay, that looks cool, but the packet is too big. But then there's this other one and there's Pantene and there's Dove and there's all these shampoos. And what happened? I got overwhelmed and I didn't buy any of them. I did not buy myself a single shampoo because I got too overwhelmed with my indecisiveness, with the classic paradox of choice that there was just too much to choose from. I didn't feel like I could choose anything because I was just so afraid of the unlived possibility. Like if I choose this one, but not that one, what if it's better and da da da. Obviously, that is anxious thinking. And this doesn't happen to me often. I think sometimes I get caught up in things, specifically when I'm feeling lost and out of control in other areas of my life. I try to control these tiny areas of my life, like getting very into my shampoo choice or spending many hours. This was literally hours planning our honeymoon, not like the entire honeymoon, but the flight route that we were going to take. So, my brain just like gets a little bit obsessive on very particular things when I feel out of control in the very large thematic areas of my life. And the reason why I bring this up is because obviously indecisiveness is present in people who are susceptible to excessive worry or anxiety. And you're essentially thinking about all the things that could go wrong that you could have controlled if you don't make the perfect decision and the loss or the failure that might come with that and those uncomfortable feelings. So where I'm at and how I would personally describe the overall general feeling of I feel lost in life is actually a combination of the two manifestations of feeling lost that I just talked about. So the first one being I don't see any possibilities for myself. And the second one being, I see too many possibilities for myself. And that teeter, that combination, simultaneously feeling both of those things where you're like, I see so much that I don't see anything at all, or I see nothing at all, but then I see so much. And you just start seeing so many paths and possibilities that you can't seem to find that one path and possibility that is for you. And I'm sure your brain is going all sorts of directions. We're very esoteric in this podcast episode, and I meant for it to be this way because obviously feeling lost is a very big experience that can't be described in simple words. So perhaps your brain is thinking about how this applies to dating right? The paradox of choice, that I can't find the person, the insecurities, the is it me, that I just want to settle down and and find that one, or maybe this is not good enough for me. Is there somebody else out there? Talk about the paradox of choice. It's a lot. And the reason why so many of us are feeling especially lost at this point in time, because 
If I talk to my grandma or grandpa, I'm pretty sure they would say that they might have like had these thoughts and feelings, but not to such a big extent that we're dealing with them now. And of course, maybe it's because they didn't talk about things as openly, but I truly think that these days with social media, all the possibilities, all the opportunities, all the people at our fingertips, at our screens, the pandemic disrupting the way we work and a lot of people pursuing side hustles and starting businesses and thinking about just like even the idea, the very modern idea that you have to like love what you do and be very passionate about your work. Even that is a totally new thing. That is not how our grandparents our ancestors in general have ever lived because I believe, especially with the industrial revolution and capitalism, it was very much like you do the job that you're given, you do the job that your family probably have done or like passed on to you, right? Whether it's like generally manual labor, whereas now we've shifted into more intellectual labor, hence why we are intellectualizing so many aspects of our lives and thinking about them so deeply in such a different way. This is a new experience, which means that we don't have the necessary tools or even explanations for why we're experiencing this and how to deal with it. So like with technology, for example, like there has been very little research done on how technology is impacting our brains. And of course, that relates to this overwhelm that we feel it's not just a you thing. It's not just an age thing. You know, of course, it's common in your early mid 20s, like as a young adult. But even in any other life transition and any other human that could be plopped into this particular time in society would be feeling lost because it's just a lot going on. On that note, I'm going to take a dramatic sip of tea. Big Heart Tea, that is. My favorite certified organic tea wrapped in sustainable packaging made from plants, not plastics, and produced with the utmost regard for the farmers who grow it. If you've been here for a while, you know that tea has been a big part of my self-love journey. I just find it so warm and soothing and grounding. It doesn't matter what day I'm having, a cup of tea always makes it better. And I love Big Heart Tea because their company is female-founded and mission-driven. Their farmer's collection is a growing line of intentionally sourced direct trade teas, which you can really taste with every sip. I'm currently drinking their signature cup of sunshine because spring is here. It's an herbal blend, which is great for the afternoons when you don't want caffeine or maybe you can't have caffeine because it will give you anxiety and a borderline heart attack if you're anything like me. So stock up on your own tea by going to bigheartea.com and use code MARY20 for a discount at checkout. Again, that's bigheartea.com and use code MARY20. Now back to the show. So if you are in that boat, like I am, of being like, I see so many possibilities, but I can't see the one for me. I can't choose just one. Then chances are you might be like a multi-potentialite, I believe is the term, which means that you naturally just gravitate towards a lot of different things. And again, that's most of us. Like, I don't know anyone who's just like very, very solid on one path in life. Maybe they might be unicorns, but there's still that 
curiosity that you get about other things that is totally normal. Some people more than others, of course. So if this is you, how exciting. Like how exciting. I told my friend the other day that I'm feeling so lost that I can't even get excited about it, even though like I know it's exciting, but I can't bring myself to feel that. But what I can do is get excited about getting excited. And over the past couple of weeks, as I've been just pondering this with my own life, just telling myself I'm excited to be excited is making me excited. So I I hope that helps. But one thing that I want to read to you is from page 152 in 100 Days of Self-Love. It's my absolute favorite prompt. And naturally, I wrote it on the airplane on my way over to Spain last year when I was about to host the Spain self-love retreat, which was so amazing. But I was also on this book deadline. So I had to write this prompt up in the air and then get this. Everything got deleted. Like my entire Word document of like, I think I wrote like eight pages of what is now this book, but then it all got deleted. I was absolutely devastated and stressed. And so I had to rewrite everything, which as always ended up kind of being a blessing because I feel like the second iteration of, of the new prompts that I wrote were a lot better. And this is one of the ones that came from that. It's called Meander the Meadow. There's a lot of pressure out there to find one's purpose, which is usually social code for a job that's relatively impressive, pays well, is easy to explain in one sentence, and bonus points if you're passionate about it. I want to reassure you that it's okay if you don't know what you want to do with your life. It's okay if your journey is filled with bumpy roads, curvy paths, and frequent stops. Getting off the beaten path and meandering your way through life is so much more interesting than sitting in traffic just like everyone else, waiting for someone or something to give you permission to move forward. Your purpose is a balancing act between embracing what you're naturally good at and exploring what both challenges and excites you. You can't do any of this unless you give yourself time, space, and grace to meander the metaphorical meadow and see what ignites a sense of curiosity. Lost in the meadow of opportunities is a beautiful place to be. I just wanted to give you some of that encouragement. Again, that's page 152 and 100 days of self-love. And honestly, doing this journaling challenge, which I'm on almost finished with, I'm on day 92 at the time of this recording. And I really, truly feel like this journal has been saving me. I know it's my own journal, so it feels (laughs) weird to say that. But knowing that this is the one thing that I do for myself for five to 10 minutes a day, where I'm just exploring, writing, learning, getting stuck, letting myself sit in the stuck and trusting that the answers are already within me, even if I don't know it yet. It's just been such a game changer. So anyway, let me get into how to deal with these two manifestations of feeling lost. The I don't see any possibility and I see too many possibilities and the combination of both. What you have to realize is that the overall feeling of feeling lost stems from fear. Lost is not actually a feeling. It's an experience. And the feeling associated with that experience is fear. So let me say that again. Feeling lost stems from fear. Lost is not actually a feeling. It's an experience. 
the feeling that's associated with feeling lost is actually fear. So you are not lost. You are afraid. You are afraid of not living up to who you could be if you took the risk. You're afraid of failing, of losing. There's that word again. And you are afraid of success, of maybe winning. Because becoming successful means that all those limiting beliefs that you've been telling yourself, all those stories and reasons why you can't are factually incorrect. And you would now have proof of it if you succeeded. So a lot of times we think we're afraid of failure, but we're actually just really afraid of success. So you're afraid of losing everything that you worked hard for, or you might be afraid of gaining what you believe that you don't deserve. You're afraid that your path might lead you astray and you're afraid that you would not be able to find your way home. And all of those different fears, there's probably more in there that I didn't have enough words to describe. All of those fears combined is feeling lost. So it's not so much, I don't know what I want to do with my life. It's, I'm afraid that whatever I try won't work. Or I'm afraid that if I take this risk, I'll fall on my ass and fail and humiliate myself. Or I'm afraid that if I I go for that little inkling that I've been having, the sense of curiosity, the thing that I'm interested in, I'm afraid that I can't afford to do it or I don't have the time or money or energy. And I'm afraid that if I do do it, I would lose everything that I worked so hard for and then I could never come back and I would never find my way to a safe place. I'm just afraid. I think this is really important to know that you have a lot more than you think you do. And if I get really real with myself, every single time I say, I feel lost, I don't know what I'm doing with my life like we covered at the beginning, there's lots I do know about myself and like what I want from life, what I value. There's so much that I know. And I know that there's so much that you know about yourself too. You might just be unwilling to admit some things to yourself because of the fear. So again, you're not lost. You're afraid and that's okay. Give yourself all the time in the world to feel lost and afraid, but just know that that fear eventually needs to be conquered. And the only way that you can conquer that is by trying those things, by following your curiosity, by just signing up for that class or taking that volunteer position or like FAFO, you know, as my best friend says, she says, FAFO, we'll just FAFO, which stands for fuck around and find out. You have to FAFO in order to find yourself. But the truth is that you are already found. You can find pieces of yourself, but you at your core, you already know a lot more than you think you know. You might just be afraid to admit it to yourself. But as long as you have yourself, you will be okay no matter what path you choose to pursue because you are capable and you do have the tools to figure out. You've dealt with and figured out a lot bigger things. And hey, you're here. Your track record is amazing because you've made it this far. So you do know how to deal with whatever life throws at you or whatever risks you deliberately choose to take. So it's okay to feel lost and have, you know, a sense of self-exploration and soul searching. Like, I love that shit. I eat that shit up. That's what this entire podcast is about. And you can look for yourself in people, places, careers, hobbies, experiences, and things, but the core of who you are is already within you. Clarity will come when you try new things and put yourself in 
positions to meet new opportunities. So again, there has to be this sense of action. Even if it's just like the smallest little steps, you still have to take those because you're never going to figure out your entire life from one journal prompt. It's going to be a combination, right? It's going to be like, okay, well, I've been journaling about this one thing for the past few months. And then I had this one conversation with a friend and then I passed by this sign on the side of the road or this bumper sticker that really inspired me. And then I called my mother and she reminded me of that thing I love to do as a kid. And then my best friend pointed out that I'm really good at this one skill. And then I accidentally found myself on this TikTok that inspired me to do further research. And then that led me into Do you see where I'm getting at? It's following this like little sense of curiosity. It's the smallest, like most minute little action steps, but they will add up. And so where I'm at currently in life, I just want to share this with you on a personal note, is I've been feeling so agitated about feeling lost, especially this year. And then I kind of had my wedding to distract me. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to deal with it after. And then once my wedding was over, I was like, okay, I really feel like I don't know what I'm doing with my life and it's making me feel really insecure. And I honestly feel like an imposter and a fraud, like hosting this podcast when I'm feeling so agitated about my my own life's purpose. So I've just been going through those motions and feeling those feelings. The next thing I want to talk to you about is something that I have been obsessed with ever since I read it in a book called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Burke. And honestly, this book changed the way I see productivity. I know it feels unrelated, but it's related, I promise. So 4,000 Weeks is essentially about how like we only have 4,000 weeks to live. So what are you going to do at that time? And the subtitle is called Productivity for Mortals. And so it's basically like an anti-hustle culture Bible, which we love. And as a result, I feel like it's made me a lot more not efficient because I'm a lost cause for that. I'm never going to be efficient. I'm a human being. But it's made me a lot more just like intentional about what I see as productivity and what I don't care to be more productive about. And this is the quote from there that I really love. As I make hundreds of small choices throughout the day, I'm building a life, but at one and the same time, I'm closing off the possibility of countless others forever. The original Latin word for decide, decidere, decidere, means to cut off, as in slicing away alternatives. It's a close cousin of words like homicide and suicide. Any finite life, even the best one you could possibly imagine, is therefore a matter of ceaselessly waving goodbye to possibility. Why is this so important? We talked about the paradox of choice and how sometimes we get overwhelmed with the possibilities, so we don't choose any of them, right? You have to change your mindset and tell yourself that with every step in one direction, you're also taking a step away from the other direction. And that's okay because you are a finite human being in a world of infinite possibilities in this like crazy universe, floating rock, magical thing that we're all experiencing. And so with everything that you say yes to, you are inevitably saying no to something else. And the thing about to-do lists and productivity hacking and efficiency in the way that Oliver Berkman, this author, describes is that these hacks, 
I suppose, for productivity about getting more stuff done is actually keeping us from facing that fact, the fact that we are finite, that life is finite, that our energy is finite, that our time is finite. And so we have to choose what is most important to pursue. And that is different than everything else you're told about like, you can do everything all at once, all of the time, do more, be more, have more, like, ah, more, right? Instead, what if less less is more. No, but what if less is less? And that's actually good because it's impossible to be more without absolutely driving yourself crazy. And even then you're going to grieve all the things that you didn't do and it's going to make you even more anxious. So I really like this approach also to feeling lost and figuring out your life's purpose because it gives you just like a certain level of peace that like, I'm not going to be able to do at least not right away all at once maybe at some point but like all these big dreams we have about like I want to start a nonprofit and I want to travel the world and I also want to have kids and be a good mother and I want to hang out with my friends and (laughs) just live life and read books and you know what that really overwhelms me is when I'm like oh my god I'm at the library and there are so many good books to read so many things to dive into but so little time I can't believe I'm gonna die not having read even the fraction of the world's books like these are the thoughts that keep me up at night instead I like to remind myself that with every wonderful amazing fantastic book that I have the privilege and pleasure of diving into there's probably another equally as wonderful and fantastic book that I will just never be able to read because I'm not going to hear about it because I don't have the time for it because it's not in my language for many different reasons but it's just not in the cards for me and that's okay because I have this book that's right here in front of me that I can just be fully present with and we could take that approach to life itself We can say that every path I choose to pursue, there's going to be other ones that I just physically cannot. Every person I choose to spend time with, the partner that I choose to be with, I'm also saying no to other maybe potential soulmates. I mean, there's 8 billion people in this world. I don't necessarily believe that there's like this one perfect person that was like made for you. No, you choose that person every single day. I also want to refer to another book. I call this my depression book because anytime I'm feeling just like sad or lost or lonely, I turn to this book and it's called Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. I love it. It just got adapted into a Hulu TV show, which of course isn't as great as the book, but I love Cheryl Strayed so much. She's saved my life. Her writing has saved my life. I read this book when I was going through a really difficult breakup, when I was moving to a new country and then moving back home from that country. And I just pick it up and read certain pages whenever I'm feeling lost or lonely or like I want to sit in the bathtub and cry and drink wine. And this is the book that I turn to. So basically, it's like an advice column that got put into a book and people write in with like life's most difficult situations and questions. And Sugar, i.e. Cheryl Strayed, answers these questions. And one of the questions she received, this is on page 241 of Tiny Beautiful Things, if you happen to get the new edition. It's a question about how do I know if I want kids? 
And it starts by saying, like, for those of us who aren't lucky enough to just know, how is a person to decide if he or she wants to have a child? I'm a 41-year-old man. I've been able to thus far postpone that decision while I got all the other pieces of my life in order. I've enjoyed myself as a childless human, but now I'm having second thoughts. I'm afraid that if I become a parent, I will miss my old life. And he goes on to describe that situation for a couple of pages, but you get the gist of it. And he ends with, So here I am now exploring the idea of becoming a father, exploring it for real and deeply. Sugar, help me. Signed, Undecided. And this is what she writes. Dear Undecided, there's a poem I love by Thomas Transtromer called The Blue House. I think of it every time I consider questions such as yours about the irrevocable choices we make. The poem is narrated by a man who is standing in the woods near his house. When he looks at his house from this vantage point, he observes that it's as if he just died and he was now seeing the house from a new angle. It's a wonderful image, that just dead man among the trees, and it's an instructive one too. There is transformative power in seeing the familiar from a new, more distant perspective. It's this stance that Transtromer's narrator is capable of seeing his life for what it is, while also acknowledging the lives he might have had. The poem strikes a chord in me because it's so very sadly and joyfully and devastatingly true. Every life has a, quote, sistership, one that follows quite another route than the one we ended up taking. We want it to be otherwise, but it cannot be. The people we might have been live a different phantom life than the people we are. That's the part I underlined. The people we might have been live a different phantom life than the people we are. There will only be the choice you make and the sure knowledge that either one will contain some loss. And then Cheryl goes to describing her personal experience with getting pregnant and why she chose to have two children. He says, I'm worried, like, I don't want to have kids just because I feel like I'm going to regret it later. And she goes, no, that's exactly why you should think about this deeper. Like the question of what are you going to regret not doing is very important. So she goes, not regretting it later is the reason that I've done three quarters of the best things in my life. It's the reason I got pregnant with my first child, even though I'd have appreciated another decade from the magic fairy baby. And it's also the reason I got pregnant with my second, even though I was already overwhelmed by the first. Because you are content in your current childless life, attempting to determine what you might regret later strikes me as the best way for you to meaningfully explore if having a child is important to you. So much so that I suspect that whether you'll regret it later is the only question you must answer. It is the very one that will tell you what to do. You already know the answers to everything else. You know you're open to becoming a father and that you're also open to remaining childless. You know you've gotten pleasure and satisfaction from the freedom and independence a child-free life allows. What don't you know? Make a list. Write down everything you don't know about your future life, which is everything, of course, but use your imagination. What are the thoughts and images that come to mind when you picture yourself at twice the age you are now? What springs forth if you imagine the 82-year-old self who opted to keep enjoying the same life? And what when you picture the 82-year-old self with a 39-year-old son or daughter? Write down the same life and son or daughter, and underneath each, make a list of the things you think those experiences would give to 
and take from you and then ponder which entries on your list might cancel each other out. Would the temporary loss of a considerable portion of your personal freedom in middle age be significantly neutralized by the experience of loving someone more powerfully than you ever have? Would the achy uncertainty of never having been anyone's father be diffused by the glorious reality that you've got to live your life relatively unconstrained by the needs of another? Of course, there's no right or wrong answer to these questions, and this is just an example, but it's like so important to think about, like, what are you going to regret? What is that unlived life? Can you imagine it for yourself? And essentially, which one seems just slightly less for you and then slightly more for you? And you just take one step toward that. She writes, what is a good life? Write good life and list everything that you associate with a good life. Then rank that list in order of importance. Have the most meaningful things in your life come to you as a result of ease or struggle. What scares you about sacrifice? What scares you about not sacrificing? So there you are on the floor, your gigantic white piece of paper with things written all over it, like a ship sail, and maybe you don't have clarity still. Maybe you don't know what to do, but you feel something, don't you? The sketches of your real life and your sister life are right there before you, and you get to decide what to do. One is the life you'll have. The other is the one you won't. Switch them around in your head and see how it feels. Which affects you on a visceral level? Which won't let you go? Which is ruled by fear? Which is ruled by desire? Which makes you want to close your eyes and jump? And which makes you want to turn and run? And there's more to that, but I won't burden you. I'll just read you the two last sentences. I'll never know, and neither will you, of the life you don't choose. We'll only know that whatever that sister life was, it was important and beautiful and not ours. It was the ghost ship that didn't carry us. There's nothing to do but salute it from the shore. I don't know about you, but I have goosebumps all over my body, including places that I did not know were capable of having goosebumps, like the top of my head. Do you ever get goosebumps on the top of your head? I get that very rarely when I read really good writing or hear really beautiful song. And I just really resonate with these words. In some ways, they bring me a lot more peace because it teaches me how to be okay and content and even happy with the unknown instead of telling myself this false belief, tricking myself into figuring out my life, writing a to-do list, checking things off, and essentially just numbing that that feeling of being lost and putting it away because I don't want to deal with it, just avoiding it. It's writing like this and thoughts and conversations and essentially letting myself be stuck and lost and all of those feelings is what makes me more peaceful. So the last thing that I just want to say is think of this, think of your life and your life's purpose as just a puzzle. And there's not one puzzle piece that's going to magically bring together all the rest of the puzzle pieces. There's just little tidbits, little parts of yourself that you can find in random things. And you have to try those random things. And maybe that puzzle piece will fit and maybe it won't. Maybe you'll force it for a little while before realizing that it doesn't go there. Maybe you hate the whole damn puzzle, so you're just going to quit and try another one. Or maybe you finish the puzzle and you're going to hang it up in your garage in a beautiful picture frame to look at later 
but then you're going to move on to doing a different puzzle. And maybe somebody helps you put together that puzzle, or maybe you're doing it on your own, or maybe it's on your coffee table for people to just like walk by and try for themselves whenever they feel called to. And it's just so interesting how we're all these big puzzles. The universe itself is a giant puzzle. And we live under this illusion that there's one magical piece that's going to bring it all together and fix everything. When in reality, the most intelligent people know that the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. So the more you learn about yourself, the more you see how much there is to find out about yourself and about life and everything in between. So be a little bit more content with that uncertainty. Don't let fear stop you from doing things. Remember that you know more than you think. You might need a little bit more clarity. You might be avoiding some things and letting fear hold you back. Perhaps there is steps that you've been wanting to take that you've just been afraid to and you call that feeling lost. But I do think that you know what to do in this moment right now, so do it. Lost in the meadow of opportunities is a beautiful place to be. I love you and I will talk to you in the next episode. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.